Welcome to episode one of The Whole Shebang, an educational podcast about teaching and learning. My name is Patrick Kaplow. I'm a 15-year physics teaching veteran who is interested in exploring the perspectives of my talented teaching colleagues, dedicated students, engaged parents, and everyone else who believes in the intrinsic value of an education. Well, I'm ready to start this journey of making a podcast. Uh, I'm not sure exactly where it's going to take me, but I think that the path is really part of the adventure. And I'm looking forward to seeing all the different rabbit holes we fall into as I explore what it's like for students and teachers and parents to kind of grapple with the education of public school children. In this first episode, I'll be chatting with esteemed math teacher, Kristen Miller, who's an amazing person and an incredible teacher. I've heard from so many students positive things about Kristen's classroom skills and um, who she is as a person. The kids really respond to her. sitting here with Kristen Miller, who is one of my favorite mathies, because I've known Kristen Miller since I started teaching here nine years ago. How are you? I'm fine. How are you? I'm doing well. Um, I was hoping we could chit-chat a little bit about what's happening in the math department. Sure. I mean, you guys completely unfairly dominate the scheduling (laughs) process. It's all about math. Why is it all about math? Well, the kids really have to take math in a sequential order. I mean, it's important. They're their leveling is important that the kids are placed in the right classes class size is important to get for the kids to get the biggest benefit out of their classes so and you know we're held accountable by all the state testing and things like that so that is true you guys (laughs) definitely definitely have more focused testing in math and I think that it can be measured really carefully which I think is harder to do in other disciplines like I mean for example, in social science, they don't even test. True. So, um, doesn't the math department have more levels than any of the other departments in the school? I believe in terms of number of classes with that leveling, I think that's true. I do think there are multiple levels in some other courses, but in math we have many that are. Most of our math classes have three levels. What do you call them? Um, well, that the names have changed over the years. <laughs> And so currently we call, um, we have, for example, an Algebra 2, we have a College Prep Algebra 2, and then an Honors Algebra 2. And that is true for Geometry as well, and um, our other classes don't necessarily have the same number of levels. And Got you. So College Prep names. is in the middle. It's like exactly. a middle level. Okay. Exactly. So listen, I've had conversations with plenty of students who have talked about Kristen Miller as being a talented impactful uh, teacher who they, they, their parents will talk to me about Kristen Miller. Uh, and so I want to ask you, like, why do you think that is? Why do you think kids come out of your class saying things like, hey, I learn a lot about math in Miller's class. What, is the, what are some of your secrets? <laughs> Okay, so first of all, I didn't think that's what we were going to be talking about. <laughs> well, <it laughs> so you tricked me. But that's where we're headed. So sure. Um, you know, I mean, I thank you for saying that. I it's obviously what every teacher wants to come out of their class is kids talking about it and saying how much they've learned. 
Um, I am very passionate about what I teach, and, I, and I'm very passionate about teaching the students themselves. So I try to make a connection with kids. And sometimes I think when you show them, I forget what the, the quote is I just read recently, but if you show them that you care, then they start to care about what you're showing them. Or, you know, something like that. If you teach them that you care, they care about what you're teaching. So I think sometimes even students who don't necessarily love math and are really passionate about math will still open up to it when they know that it's someone that really cares about them and is trying to get them to They, they don't want to disappoint you. So Maybe. Be, I think because they're invested in you, isn't that, I mean, I'm not trying to put words in your mouth, but it sounds like that's what you're saying. So you in, invest in the kids, you show them that you care, mm-hmm. and then they, they'll work, they'll engage because they don't want to face you without putting forth a fair amount of effort. Right, right. I mean, it, you cer- I don't certainly feel like it works for everybody, but I think, you know, it's the best way that I feel like I can get the most engagement from sure. my students. When you opened up that comment, you said that you were a passionate teacher. Do you feel like that comes naturally to you, or do you have to engineer that? Um, I feel like it comes naturally in terms, especially in terms of like the subject. I mean, a lot of the subjects that I'm teaching are just things that I really enjoy. Wait, 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 wait. Which I know wait, wait, is wait, weird. Wait. I want to stop this right here. You do teach geometry, don't you? I do. Okay, and, and we're still going to use the word passionate in the same sentence as geometry. You I love it. See, I actually love geometry. Sometimes the, um, sometimes the you know the way you have to teach geometry, the textbook kind of style of geometry, is not necessarily what I love. But the topic itself, I love because it's about you know how we measure kind of everything around us. So I love the idea of it. I mean, I've used geometry to. Um, to build a swing set for my daughter when she was little. You know, we, we tried to do the, or like a rectangular box around the swing set with the little rocks in it. Yeah. And we tried to figure out how big to make that base so that the swing set could fit in it. And when she swings and jumps off, she'll still be still inside land. of that box. So that was a lot of geometry. I mean, go. we did the angles of how would she would swing and figured out exactly where that angle would end up. I know it's probably more than a lot of people do when they're that's building a swing no, set that's for their child, fantastic. but hey, math helped hey, me out. <laughs> you know, there's actually some physics in there as well, because absolutely. if she jumps off the swing set, now she's a projectile. Exactly. And so yeah, we would need to know that. To I should have brought you in on that Please, project. Come on. Come on. <laughs> but um, she's 10 now, so. <laughs> right. So um, tell me about some things that are happening in the math department that are exciting. Sure. Um, while this might not be super exciting, we, um, we are at this point talking about recommendations for students for next year. We just had a meeting yesterday and our whole process is actually changing for that. We have a, commu- a computer system which basically automatically recommends a student based on their current grade in their current class and it you know, puts them into a class. At this point, we feel like each year we're still really struggling at the beginning of the year with kids not in the right placement. So they've decided, we've decided as a department to actually do all entries of our own recommendations. So instead of the computer generating a recommendation, each of the individual teachers is recommending students for what we feel like they should take next year. If students have um, a disagreement with that or want other classes opened up or there's any problem with it or something like that, students would see us first. And if there's still something we couldn't work out, they would see our director, Ms. Croto, after that. So 
we're really hoping that, that kids end up in the right place and um, where they're being challenged but not um, completely overwhelmed. And as the math teachers, we have kind of the most knowledge of the math courses that are offered and feel like we can give the best recommendation. Um, guidance does the best they can with it, but they don't always know what course, you know, what courses should come next. Um, we've added new courses over the past couple years, so they're not as knowledgeable, knowledgeable about those new courses. Mm -hmm. So we're hoping that that helps with some of our placement for next year. It is sure. a little early to do some of those things because it's Kids only been... Kids are thinking about it, though. Right. Kids yeah. are thinking about it, but for some of us as teachers... It's a little hard to see after one semester, we like a little bit more information, but it's something that we could obviously revisit later in the year. But uh, class sizes change so, so dramatically at the beginning of the year when kids are changing classes, and it really impacts every class. Yeah. So let me throw something at you. Um, when you talk about like teacher recommendations and course selections for next year, like the hairs stand up on the back of my neck. And the reason is, there has to be bias, in my opinion about students, and every teacher's opinion about students, based on a ton of input. We're human beings, and so our ability to assess in absolute terms a student's capacity to perform well, perhaps at an elevated level, not mm -hmm. their current track, I think, is, I think is very tough to do fairly. Um, at some universities, they have a two-week period where you can go to whatever class you want mm. and then after the two weeks you say hey this is a good fit for me I like this I know it would create absolute mayhem right total but like do you think that there'd be any way that we could wrap our heads around that as an institution and accommodate students effectively surveying different math classes right. to figure out what the best fit with them or is that just I, I, I get there's a logistical issue to that, and let's pretend that we yeah. can ignore that for a second. Would, would there just be too much after two weeks if a kid hadn't been there for the two weeks to just make up that stuff? It's, it's a little hard to say. I think we would have to shift sometimes what we would do with those two weeks. So, for example, you know, in some courses you might be reviewing topics, like, right. you know, which we try not to do too much. We try to create mastery in math so that we're not redoing things over and over and over in different courses but I think you would have to give them a very authentic experience in those two weeks which I think is hard to do at those different levels um, I've just had so much experience with kids not being at that right level and it and then it's too late you know you can't move from there right and that's what I think is unfortunate because now they're stuck in a class where they may not really be learning the most that they could because they're they don't have the background for it or right. they just they just don't have it yet um, or they're not like necessarily mathematically mature enough for that at that point sure and I think for those kids you know moving down isn't going to impact them as much as for kids who wouldn't you know would have to move up after so I think that would be the tough thing catching up I mean two weeks is not that much time but I think it's hard to get an authentic experience in two weeks too to know how well you would do I'm not trying to pick a fight here with you, Kristen, <laughs> but yes. I'm trying to uh, kind of open a dialogue, and maybe that dialogue will include other people, other people in the building, other teachers, other stakeholders, but I just think that schools have a long history in screwing this up, a long history of putting a kid in a certain level of a class 
that he or she doesn't belong in for any reasons. Aren't there kids out there who, given a more a, a bigger challenge, will change their behaviors and rise up to the challenge? And aren't there also kids who don't and flounder in that class? And so we tend to then say, well, I don't want that to happen, so let's create a policy so that nobody can move up a level. Right. So that we avoid the kind of discomfort of having to have that conversation with the student and the student's parents. So we kind of have this natural safety default mechanism where we, where we kind of, indir- like, I think we're doing this, if we call it right out and say it, we're holding kids back. It hurts as an educator. Yeah. We don't want to do that. But I think that the systems and policies that we have in place to effectively protect ourselves are doing precisely that. What yeah. do you think? I, I mean, I, I actually totally agree with you. So you can't pick a fight with me because I actually agree with you on this. I think it is, I think you want to challenge students and you want kids, if a kid wants to try something that they think is a challenge for them, I think... I'm all for that. But at the same time, I think some kids don't know what they're getting into, which is like you said, if they knew what they were getting into, it would be different. Um, For example, we have a math course uh, for algebra. We have a, our algebra course has a skills level class as well. So the kids take two math classes for that year where they have all this extra support in that skills level class. And if they move up a level the next year because they feel pretty confident, suddenly that whole extra class is taken away from them and the course is much more challenging for them. So where we set them up with all this extra support, which they need at that freshman year, and then suddenly they feel this confidence, want to move up a level, and then we pull all that extra help away from them. Now if they want extra help, they have to come after school. They have to get a tutor. They have to do all this extra stuff where, so I feel like sometimes they don't have all the information. And if we can, if we can give them that information and they still make that choice, then that's another story. But I think, I think a high school freshman or end of the year freshman doesn't necessarily have all that information. Um, there was another point I was going to talk I, to. That. I want to revisit this. I want to. I want to try to process and maybe talk to you again or to other people again who have an opinion on this and just brainstorm mm. other ways of managing course selection. I get it. This falls under the domain of guidance. Right. That's their job. Right. But like we are end users of the course selection system. Yeah. And I think we should also um, maybe weigh in on how to do this more effectively. Right. We tend to just be like, oh, this is what we've always done. Let's just keep doing that. But then we are in agreement. Yeah, there's lots of kids. What about the kid who's in the who's you know? We're always going to talk about the kid on on the on the fold on the cusp of one level to another level because mm-hmm. that can go in either way. What about the kid who's thinking you know maybe you know I'm getting a B in this class maybe maybe I'll try leveling up so to speak. Uh, maybe I'll I'll be I'll get a C and I'm okay with that. Maybe my parents are okay with that. But I tried a more challenging class yeah. and then the teacher recommendation comes in, not recommended. Yeah. You know, do I want that stain right. on my like moral conscience right. of telling a kid that was thinking about it, they're too close to the boundary line and I'm not going to take a chance on you. Yeah. That hurts me right. to think about. Yeah. It, yeah. That's not easy to tell a kid. Right. You know? <laughs> they will remember Whether you're that. telling them personally or telling them through the recommendation in yes. the computer. Right. It's a, you know, they will remember that for life. That. Yeah. They will say things like, I remember when my high school science teacher, my math teacher, my English teacher told me I wasn't good enough. We may not have said those words, but that's what they'll remember. Those are the people who, when they become famous, say, for all those teachers that told me I couldn't do it. Up yours, man. (laughs) Right. Look who made it, this guy. No, you're right. (laughs) Um, 
but I, but we do still leave it open for kids. I mean, you know, and I know I'm that's that's something that I'm going to say to kids is if if you really believe that you should be in a different class, have a conversation with me about it. And if we if I still kind of feel the same way I felt, then you can have a conversation with our our director. It it's not shutting kids out. It is making kids a little bit of a self-advocate, you know, like I really think that this is where I need to be. And we want kids if they want to move up or down. I mean, we don't want them to move down just because they want it to be easier either. If they want to move a level, we want them to have a reason. You know, mm-hmm. what's what's that reason? What's your goal? What's your end goal? You know, that kind of thing. Yeah. Um, so it, it as long I think as long as we encourage a conversation, not just a you know, flat out recommendation, you know, and, and our director has said I encourage you to talk to the kids about this. This isn't something that you can necessarily you necessarily do behind the scenes, and that's a surprise. Like, definitely talk to the kids about where they where you think they should be, and then, you know, they can they can obviously disagree. Right. And it's okay to disagree as long as like you know they're doing it for the right reasons. They know what they're getting into. You know, they're prepared. Mm. I think some kids end up taking too many courses that are challenging them and they don't think about that part like wow I'm taking five courses that are challenging for me and you know maybe I could really focus on those classes if I only took two of them right you know I don't know I but I think you're right I think it's that's why we're changing it this year we're trying to do something different because what's happened hasn't worked hey kudos to the math department for trying something different in terms of course selection I do uh, the conversation is timely because course selection, like the thoughtfulness around course selection is right about now, like February is when yep. you're having these conversations. Well, Kristen Miller, talking with you has been an absolute pleasure. You are an incredible colleague and uh, somebody that I enjoy seeing when I walk through the hall, uh, halls around Wyndham and I know that the students feel the, way, the same way. So thank you very much. Thank you, Pat. That was a ton of fun interviewing Kristen. Uh, I'd like to thank you for listening as I close out my first episode of The Whole Shebang. I have a website up and running. You can visit it at thewholeshebang.teachingpodcast.com. You can also email me directly at thewholeshebangpodcast at gmail.com. And uh, next episode, which will air after winter break, is all about course selection. So before I sign off, I'm going to make a disclaimer. While we make every effort to broadcast correct information, this podcast is a simple presentation of views and opinions and does not replace professional consultation or represent the views or opinions of any school district, employer, employees, or affiliates. Thanks for listening and see you next time.